if I'm happy, it doesn't mean I don't have adversity, right? It doesn't mean, I mean, it doesn't mean I'm, there aren't part of my days that I wish I didn't have to do. But right. if I'm overall happy and I feel like I'm doing what I'm designed to do, then, then everything in my past, even the most negative traumatic things, have led me to where I am today. And by the way, I can't change it anyway. <laughs> right. So it's not baggage, um, it's purpose. You know, whether you, whether you have a leadership role on, on, in your company or in, on, a, on, a, on a church team or in a community, people will connect with people who feel they are that, that, they're, that person's genuine. Because mm, they'll know that there's not some hidden, hidden agenda or, or feel that way at least. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast brought to you by Cartavera the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your business, grow your people, and grow your life. We are back in studio today with another special guest, Dr. Kevin Snyder. Today is episode number 44, and the title is Don't Stop Believing, Leading and Living Your Dreams with Purpose and Passion. Kevin has had so many challenges in his life, and today he's an inspirational speaker, he's a multiple-time author, and he inspires audiences to find and pursue their dreams. He talks about today the ways that we have adversity in our life, but we can, instead of having it weigh us down like drama, we turn it into purpose. I love this phrase that he shared with us today. Kevin said that we doubt our beliefs, but we believe our doubts. And he talks so much about how our mindset determines how far we go in chasing down our dreams in life. Get ready to be inspired. Get ready to reconnect or more deeply connect with your dreams, your purpose, and your passion. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We got another exciting guest. You know, I'm always excited, but actually today's guest, Kevin Snyder, I'm sorry, Dr. Kevin Snyder, I know he loves the doctor, uh, is going to be an exciting guest because that's what he does for a living. He, he excites people's lives. He ignites people's lives. He's a keynote speaker, uh, spoken all around the world. He's an author of several books. I'm sure we'll talk about them today. He has some other you know, ventures. He actually helps people start speaking businesses. And as you'll think he'll share, that's not even something he planned. He just sort of found out that he was able to help people. So, but he gets on stages everywhere, and he inspires people. He speaks on culture, team empowerment, uh, does a lot on change. I love this one. Maybe we'll get to it. He speaks on workforce generations, which we're all dealing with today. Mm-hmm. But today we're going to talk about leadership, inspiration, and whatever whatever's going to matter today that's going to help change your life. So welcome, Kevin. <laughs> Welcome, Kevin. No, thank you, Jeff and Craig. Honored to be with you all today. So, Kevin, give us a little bit of the Dr. Kevin Snyder story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure I'm no no special uh, person that says, hey, I earned that doctor. Call me. No, but uh, I'm not a medical doctor. I am an academic uh, doctor because my career was 
uh, was in higher education. Uh, when I went to college, I didn't expect to make it. I struggled my first year. I nearly dropped out on multiple occasions. And every time I tried to drop out, and I took my withdrawal paperwork to the dean of students' office to quit college, the dean of students always said to me, there's something I see in you. Mm. Just give us another two weeks. Wow. And, of course, fast forward through that struggling first year, I mean, I had a horrible roommate. I didn't have any self-confidence. I was in a long-distance relationship. I mean, wow. things just were, like, pounding me. But something shifted in me the summer going into my sophomore year where I knew I had to make a change. And when I went back my sophomore year, I just got more engaged on campus, um, got a better roommate, got a better girlfriend. I mean, it was just like... <laughs> <laughs> Upgrades all around. Oh yeah, I made improvements. All no, but seriously, I my my sophomore year was a transformation, and ultimately, what happened? College became a transformation for me to understand who I really was, and uh, and I didn't even know what that meant back then. I mean, I wasn't able to connect the dots like I I can look back now. But when I graduated college, uh, I had a degree in marine biology from UNC Wilmington, mm -hmm. and um, all I knew is that I loved people. That's all I knew. I mean, I love the water. I love the animals. I love dolphins and sharks. But I also knew that there's something about the college environment and wanting to help youth hmm. that were struggling like I was. And I wanted to be the dean of students to be a top advocate for other students. So that, that became then my journey of, of my career. Hmm. And um, I worked for my fraternity for two years as a traveling consultant. I went to over 80 different universities just supporting our local chapter. In that position, I realized, well, hey, I could actually be a Greek advisor. <laughs> now they're called fraternity and sorority life advisors. I could be one of these. Like, well, that could be my, uh, a stepping stone to becoming a dean of students. World's your oyster. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so long story short, I knew that, well, if I want to be a Greek advisor, I've got to go back and get my master's degree. So I went to the University of South Carolina for my master's in higher education. And... Uh, Earned that degree, became a Greek advisor at an institution in Florida called Embry-Riddle Aeronautical mm -hmm. University. Yeah. And little did I know then that, gosh, if I had known about Embry-Riddle when I was in college, I probably would have become a pilot. Yeah, exactly. I've always loved aviation. My yeah. dad was in the Navy. He was a navigator. And I've always flown these little airplanes. So, you know, it's pretty interesting how, like, your passions are cyclical, you know, and they open up yeah. doors that you don't even see at the time, but you will realize them in the future. So, anyway. I, I ended up having a couple different jobs at Embry-Riddle. University of Central Florida came to me one day and said, hey, we got this new opening. Would you be interested? We've heard a lot about you. And so I took it. I took, then I became a, a director of college advising for UCF. Hmm. And then they came to me about a year later and said, hey, we've got this new doctorate program. Would you be interested in becoming, uh, you know, being one of our students in it? And we'll pay for it. I thought, that's always awesome. <laughs> I can do that. Don't ask me. That, right. And, and so, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, I, I've never been the smartest person in the room, but I, I've had one of the, the hardest work ethics. Mm. Right. And, um, and earning my doctorate degree, I did it in three and a half years. And I told myself, if I'm not going to have a life, let's just really not have a life and then get <laughs> this sucker done. Um, but back then I was in my early thirties and I, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I was speaking on the side for fun. Uh, it was a hobby. You know, all I, you know, for, for me, I, I said, there's really no excuse for me not to finish this program. And I also started just having some fun writing like Jerry Maguire, just some, some ideas for this book idea I had called, which is now called Think Differently. But uh, so anyway, a, a year, or I'm sorry, about a month after I finished that degree, 
uh, had the book published. I got this invitation to speak at High Point University. Mm. And as I was prepping for that speech, I, I also saw that they had some position openings. One was a dean of students. Now, is this while Nita was there? Exactly. Yeah. So Nita wow. Cobain, uh, Dr. Nita Cobain, Dr. <laughs> Nita Cobain, <laughs> uh, he was there. And um, if anybody knows anything about High Point, they probably know just as much about Dr. Cobain yeah, and vice yeah. versa. He's kind of like the Steve Jobs to Apple. <laughs> and I took that job and I remember taking that job praying. I just said, you know, don't tease me. You know, here I am at 33 years old with a doctorate degree, you know, just published my first book. I'm a dean of students. I'm way too young for this job, like way too young for this job. But they were looking for a young dean. Hmm. They were looking for somebody that I guess they were going to work pretty hard. And <laughs> but that's the culture there, too. And so I was a dean of students at, at, at High Point University in 2000, uh, 2010, 2012. And then about halfway through that job, um, my sister was diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. I was back up in here in North Carolina with family. And I'll be honest, I just kind of woke up one day and I had to give up speaking to take that job. Hmm. And after some, just a series of some events, I just woke up one morning and I said, no, I think, I think I'm being, I think I'm, something's trying to get my attention. Something doesn't feel aligned. Something doesn't feel right. I feel like there's, there's more for me. And I ended up resigning that job and speaking is what I ended up doing. Wow. Always I wasn't good to 100% to that. sure. Always good to listen to that voice. Absolutely. I, I knew every day I knew something was kind of trying to get my attention and kind of like, hey, knock, 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 knock. <laughs> and I had opportunities for speaking that were uh, things I had to turn down. Uh, and I also realized that speaking was a better way for me to support and help people in, in, in a more broad exposure rather than, I mean, a campus is great, but if you have a gift or a desire to speak, you can actually impact a lot more people. And that's the way I started looking at it. Um, plus the fact I had to give it up to take that job respectfully. That was the, probably the toughest decision I ever made. And mm. at the time when I did it, I, it was the right decision. But it's also amazing when you give something up. <laughs> don't be surprised if it might circle back on you and catch you at a different time where you realize, hey, it's not just speaking. It's a calling. Mm. And so I've been speaking. So I resigned that job. Uh, people thought I was cray cray. Um, my mom, my mom and dad thought I was crazy, uh, but I didn't have a lot of money. And I said, you know what, if I, if I'm going to be a, a bartender with a doctorate degree, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to give speaking all I can. And I want to help motivate, you know, college students and professionals at all levels to learn how to make a difference, how to think differently to achieve new results and how to motivate others to do the same. Mm. So for the past, uh, almost 10 years, I've been speaking full time. Um, wow. And had the amazing opportunity to work with groups like um, Center for Creative Leadership, uh, apply things for my doctorate degree, for my book. I mean, it's just, it's been really, and you guys know this. I mean, anybody listening to this that has their own business, um, having your own business is the, is the toughest thing you'll ever do. <laughs> but it's not, yeah. it's not work when you love it and you feel like it's your purpose. You'll, yeah. you'll wake, like today, I woke up at 4 a.m. and I was like, I, I get to do things, right? you know. And I was prepping for you all in this conversation. I mean, it's just, there's so many things I have opportunities to do now being my own boss, which I love. Awesome. So Kevin, let, let's talk about a little bit more about that transition. And I'm going to guess that people constantly want to hear your story because I know I get that question constantly. And I, 
I don't know why, and now I do, because, you know, I left something when I was a lawyer, I was very successful at, I had achieved, you know, great success as the world defines it. And I chose to walk away from it. And you, you're not only had a great job, you were at one of the most, I don't know what the right word is, exciting campuses and universities in the country, what they're doing there. So you were in the, that's like the job, right? <laughs> you not only are dean of students, you're the dean of students at High Point University, yeah. and you walk away. So talk a little more about that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think, you know, being the dean of students was always my dream job, and it was always for the right reason. You know, nobody gets an education to say, oh, I wanna, I'm going to make a ton of money. You know, you know, you'll probably get into banking or you'll get into uh, selling insurance or right. respectfully. Um, but I, I've never met a teacher. I mean, I grew up, my, my mom was a teacher. She taught math. Uh, she was teacher of the year several times. Um, but she turned things down that could have escalated and accelerated her career to be the best mother that I think is out, you know, in the world. And my mom, my backstory too, as a teenager, I mean, this is a whole nother topic, um, but I suffered depression. I mean, I, I was, I had moments of suicidal tendency and uh, my mom wow. saved, my mom and dad, but my family saved my life. And yeah. that was in the eighties when, you know, here I was at 12 years old, clinically diagnosed by the doctor and a whole bunch of other psychologists and psychiatrists in the eighties, I was diagnosed as having depression and an eating disorder called anorexia. They had never even met or they didn't know what to do with me. So the fact that I'm even alive is I think my purpose. Um, And I think one of the things, uh, and I think this is the best way to answer the question. Was I happy at high point? Yeah. But I still, like I said, the wake up call for me was knowing that speaking was always something there yeah. And I didn't realize that it actually wasn't my hobby. It was more of my, my purpose and my calling. And I had developed a skill set to speak over a decade. I mean, my first speech, I remember it was June 2nd, 2002. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember back sweat just dripping down. My- <laughs> this is horrible. But even then, I still had students that came up to me afterwards and said, hey, thank you for sharing mm. that story. Oh, that's and great. Th- you know, and those are the things that, you know, and, and here's the thing I realized about speaking. It had nothing to do with me. Yeah, right. Nothing it's not about you. It, you know, here I was. I was the messenger of a painting that I crafted in a speech. Mm. And, um, and I still have to remind myself of that because I think, you know, any speaker would say as they get success, you know, they get also a bigger ego. And so we, we need to keep ourselves in check uh, because we achieve things. And when we achieve things, it's like, hey, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm awesome. And it, no, it just means you're really great at helping other people solve problems. Well, you've always been somebody who's gone after your goals. I mean, you were on The Price is Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. No. <laughs> no but the, yeah, you know, and that's funny too, Craig. I mean, that whole, my whole experience as a kid of, of have, at 11 o'clock every morning during the summer, <laughs> I watched that game show, The Price is Right. Yeah. And and I didn't know this early on in my speaking, but that show saved my life too. Hmm. Because that one hour, that one hour of watching that game show kept my mind off of depression and, and wow. food and exercise and, and, and how I was going to do things that weren't healthy to me. And, and it was like this vicarious experience 
and it became this desire to meet, you know, Bob Barker and be on the game show. Like it became this. So that actually now is my part of my signature story. Um, but it's not about, it's really not about the price is right. It's all about having a dream for what you want for anybody, you know, yeah. and not just one dream, but you know, what's that next dream and, or what are multiple, you know, we're not, I don't think we're designed to just do one thing, but, but here's the thing and I'll, I'll shut up after this, but I, I really think that, that the calling was calling me and it was waiting for me to realize there was something more hmm. respectfully than, um, than, than my, my dream of motivational speaking. So I think like whether it was a higher power, you know, I'm, I'm a faith-based person, but I respect mm-hmm. what anybody's beliefs are. But for me, um, I felt like, I felt like, you know, the big guy upstairs or the big woman was saying, <laughs> Hey, you're Dean, you're, you being a Dean of students. Yes, you deserve it. You've worked hard for it. I want you to achieve this, but then I'm going to get your attention and I'm going to use you for something greater. Mm. And I truly feel, I truly, I truly believe that because yeah. if I didn't go through some of the things I went through at high point, respectfully, I had some, I had some tough, it was a tough learning curve for me. It was 15, 16 hour days. Hmm. I mean, I was, a, I mean, we had a lot of, like any campus, we had some serious issues and I was the Dean 90% of the time I'm putting out fires. Hmm. And, um, and that wasn't why I left, but I realized too, I don't think I can be effective in this role like I thought I could. So my dream job really wasn't my dream job. It was more of a dream title. And I, then I realized, okay, well, what's, you know, and that was the, right around those same times of me kind of realizing something wasn't aligned was when my mom called and said my sister was diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. 32 years. be a wake up call. I mean, talk about somebody that didn't deserve that. I mean, it was, yeah. and I just said, life's too short. So, so that was, you know, it wasn't just one thing back to your question, Jeff, it wasn't just one thing that inspired me to leave. And it wasn't that I was unhappy. It, it just felt like I wanted to use my speaking and give my, my story purpose to help other people. Mm. And, and even my speaking, when I quit or when I resigned high point, it wasn't that I, I even knew what I was going to speak or who I was going to speak to. I mean, I kind of figured I'd go back and speak to college students like I did, but now I'm doing like 80% corporate. So it's like, I never would have thought, <laughs> I mean, I never would have thought I'd be speaking to professionals because I'm like, oh, I don't have any gray hair. You know, of course I'm balding now, but I mean, <laughs> at the time, <laughs> but people still, they're like, Hey, we, we love your energy. We love that story. The price is right. You got me thinking about my dream and, or thank you for sharing us some tips on how we can motivate other people in our, in our teams. So, I mean, it's been a really cool journey. And I mean, here we are now. I mean, we're talking right now amidst the COVID pandemic and we're amidst a new journey. I mean, we are amidst yeah. everything that I talk about, how to help people push through. And I've been battling myself. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it, it's a constant, it's a constant evolution. Um, no days ever the same. It's pretty interesting for me because all I've known you as is this energetic, very positive person. So just understanding that you went through anorexia, that you went through depression, um, you've made some massive changes in your life. Now, certainly what we see on the outside is not always what you, what's going on on the inside. Yeah, but kudos to, you know, the, the choice to make some changes. Yeah, and I'll be honest, um, you know, when I, when I left High Point, Although I felt the, the, the magnetic pull, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I burnt the boat, though. I burnt the boat. There was no retreat. I was on that island. 
And, um, and there were some tough desert moments. I mean, <laughs> there, you know, I was going through two foreclosures uh, hmm. from properties that I left down in Florida because I got into the market when it, the market was so great. And um, I had a real shady lender that was like, oh, we'll approve you for pay option arms. You don't even need to pay principal. We'll just pay interest. And I mean, they got me these. And, you know, like a lot of people, I ended up owing a ton of more money than what the home was even worth. And when mm -hmm. I left Florida, I mean, I left Florida. Yeah. I couldn't find renters that could pay half the mortgage. And I said, you know what? Wow. I just, I, I, I can't, I mean, I got, and I remember calling the banks. I said, you got to work with me here, you know? And they said, no, no, you know, you're, you're, you're not in default yet. So we don't have any loan programs for, I mean, so basically what my point is, I went into two, I had two foreclosures going on during the same time I was a dean of students. Wow. And I also filed for bankruptcy after, at the direction of an attorney to help me to stall the foreclosures so that I could do short sale on mm. the two properties. So I wouldn't have a foreclosure or two. And well, when you file, just so people know, when you file for bankruptcy, even if you, the strategy was to never go through with it, just to file it so that the banks couldn't foreclose on me and to keep stalling it, right? So I was gonna pay him $400 a month to do that. Well, guess, catch this, two things. Number one, when you file for bankruptcy, even if it's a strategy, all your creditors are informed. Mm. I mean, it's not just your future credit, it's your current, I had two credit cards I was surviving on. Well, guess what happened to them? Cut, I then became a debit. I had $22 to my name. Wow. Mom and dad were about 20 miles away in Durham. You know how many times I almost picked up the phone and said, son needs to come home. I mean, mm. with a doctorate degree. With, I mean, and Craig, to your point, here I was this motivational, happy guy, like, you know, oh, Mr. Motivational Speaker, who is absolutely in a funk. And I mean, some of that depression creeped back in, mm. creeped back in. And then it, it took me, it took me probably a year and a half to, to kind of just say, no, I, ah, <laughs> wow. I can't quit now. Um, yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's yeah. It, it's, it's not been easy. It's, you know, people say, oh, you know, um, failure is so tough and, and well, so is success. Success is tougher because it means you push through that. <laughs> I mean, you know, so. So Kevin, you, I want to touch on something that you've alluded to. You talked to, you keep talking about your calling and this voice and this purpose. And I have a belief that everybody's got that in them. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a massive change in their life. Sometimes it is. And what I find is one of the big challenges for folks is I really think that people don't believe they're worthy of a calling. Hmm. That's like for either someone wow. who's better than me or someone who's like you said, I think they love to project on us. They've done it to me. They've done it to you. Well, you're just at the top of your game your whole life. So if things come easy to you. So speak to what you've learned from interacting with people about how they see callings from a worthiness or what gets in the way of their calling. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. 
We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cardavera.com. Welcome back. Excellent question. And I don't know if I know the answer because I'm still a work in progress. Hmm. Uh, I do know this, that when it feels right, it's a feeling that you can't describe, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, what I would call my calling, you know, other people might call purpose or might call passion. I mean, it all starts with doing things that you enjoy doing. Yeah. Let's keep it simple. I, I've always believed, and, and I, I will do some Pulp Fiction. We'll, we'll kind of go back and then we'll come, you know, <laughs> like the movie. Um, I've always believed that every one of us should have something every single day scheduled that we can look forward to. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Even if it's watching a rerun of Friends, which my <laughs> wife and I do every night before we go to bed. We watch a rerun of Friends and The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and, and, and you know why we do that? Because it puts a smile on our face and we laugh and we, we you know, it's kind of our, it's one of our routines. Um, hmm. And in that, that, that was something that, um, you know, how she and I got to do that together. I, I, I don't really know where that came from, but I remember that was also a question that my counselor asked me when I was, was struggling when I was 12 years old and the first six months, every single counseling session, I just would sit there like this, staring at the ground. I wouldn't talk to her. I mean, I was in the darkest spiral. I don't even remember it hardly. I mean, it was very, a very, very dark time. And I remember I had this, after six months, I had this breakthrough one day of me just breaking. I mean, it was breaking down. (laughs) Mm. And she once again said, well, that's our session for today. After 45 minutes of no talking at all. I mean, imagine that. Um, and I, so my counselor, I, um, I have written her, uh, since back then I've let her know that she saved my life. I was the first adolescent patient that she ever had. Wow. And, um, so, so point is I wanted her to know that even, even though the sessions were me were, were silent, it took me so much frustration to say, why am I here? I hate, you know. And I remember breaking down one day and just being like, there's no point to this. I hate this. I feel like I have a problem whenever I come here. And she said, well, that's why we're here Mm. is to figure out. And so one of the things that she and I ultimately um, made progress on is when she asked me that question, what's something that you can look forward to every day? Mm. Or is there something that you can look? And that's how the Price is Right started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I didn't know the backstory. I know there's so many back. I know that's what's crazy. There's so many back. There's backstories of the backstory, but I think you know, Jeff. Back to your question is I've always been um, even through the adversity and the tough time. I mean, there's there. I've got a meeting today that I'm not looking forward to. I mean, it's a meeting that I'm like, oh man, I wish I didn't have this. Or you know, I've got a review. You know, I, I I've got a, an event that unfortunately they they canceled it, and so I'm working with them right now on what that means and. You know, because I've had this date booked for for months, mm-hmm. and so you know, as a business owner, I've got to think of my business. Well, you know, I've got to have a tough conversation with them, right? That's not part of my business that I like, and I'm not even like a business guy. I just want to speak. You know, <laughs> for a lot of people, right? It's like my sister years ago. She won. She made the most amazing cakes and cupcakes amidst the the craze. She, I mean, she was one of those people that was so good at it. 
And so I took her uh, to meet with a friend of mine who was a business coach. And after that one hour meeting, we're driving back and she looks at me and she goes, I just want to bake cupcakes. <laughs> she goes, I don't want to do all this other stuff. And that's like, where you hire some professional management. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. And, and, and that's the thing with speaking too. It's like, I really just want to speak. I don't want to have to handle the other 90% that's required yeah. to go into my business. People only see the 45 minutes or the one hour I'm in front of them. They don't see right. all the prep, all the, you know, all the emails that have gone back and forth to make that happen, the years of experience to build. I mean, all the I mean, yep. blah, blah, blah. But, um, but I think for me, I've always been, I've, I have always been motivated to like, feel like I wanted to matter. Mm-hmm. And I think by mattering, having that desire, it does kind of propel me to want to achieve things. But now that I'm a father, you know, I've got a, a month, <laughs> I've got a year. Uh, I'm Big sorry. I, yeah. I mean, some of that, and I knew it would, but I tell you, you know, what my main priority every day is I try to get as the one of the reasons I get up early some days, not all days. I get up early to try to crank a couple things out so that when she cries around 630, I already have her milk ready. I go, I pick her up, I change her. And then we, we lay in bed with my wife. We lay in bed for a few minutes together. And that's how we kick off our day. When I hear her cry, that first cry, I'm like, it's just the sweetest little thing. <laughs> so, so I think having things to look forward to is a big part of that. Yeah. Um, and that's where it kind of begins. And I think the more you do what you enjoy, the more people will, and if more people did that, they would be finding ways to do more of that. And I think we'd have a lot, lot fewer people who are trying to, you know, attack people on social media. And yeah, you know, I mean, when, when you love what's going on in your life, it, it transforms every relationship that you have. And it, it really makes a difference to know what it is that you enjoy doing. That's why I've, I've always recommended to my children, try as many different things as you can. I try something out. If I don't like it, I'll just move on to something else. There's thousands and millions of things that we can do, you know, that, that can bring us happiness, you know, that can be fun. And I think to your point, it's, it's really about figuring out, you know, as you're, as you're going into your vocation, what is it that really juices you? And so a lot of, you know, students, I'll recommend to them, don't go in and start down the path of, of your career of, of going to school for something that you don't know if you're going to really enjoy. Go talk to somebody who's doing that on a day-to-day basis. Shadow them for a day. Figure out if that's really what you want to do before you spend four years learning how to do it. Yeah, you know, so much, I, yeah, Craig, spot on. And, and I, you know, I don't know where I, I heard this statistic, I, you know, so it, it may not be legit, but I do feel <laughs> from my experience, it's well, I got it off the internet, so it's got to be true, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> like 82% of statistics are all made up on the spot. Right. You know? <laughs> no, but anyway, I did see, I did read something in a, high, in a higher ed publication once that said um, 80% of students 10 years after they graduate aren't in a career related to what they studied. Right. I mean, I was a marine biologist. <laughs> How much do you use that? Yeah. Well, I, I do have a sailboat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you can see the, the, the purpose and know what's it. What's yeah, exactly. On. I mean, but that's the thing, you know, every, and, and here's something that's really important. When I was at High Point and I met with, um, I, I, well, anytime I've worked in higher ed, I've always met with students. And, um, and so I'd have my diplomas on my wall, right? 
And uh, not out of ego, but it's like, you know, that's kind of what you do in academia. In fact, a lot of people probably have your, you know, if you have a diploma, it's probably hanging up somewhere. Well, I've got a master's and a doctorate degree. I am proud as heck of that. So I'm going to display that. So anyway, point is students would see that and they're like, marine biology. <laughs> right. Master's doctorate. And they'd say, how did you get into that? And I'm like, look, that's not why you're here. We'll talk. But the point is. <laughs> I, I, I said, well, that marine biology led me to what I'm doing today. Yep. And if I didn't go back and have that degree, I probably wouldn't be here. So if I'm happy, it doesn't mean I don't have adversity, right? It doesn't mean, I mean, it doesn't mean I'm, there aren't part of my days that I wish I didn't have to do. But right. if I'm overall happy and I feel like I'm doing what I'm designed to do, then, then everything in my past, even the most negative traumatic things, have led me to where I am today. And by the way, I can't change it anyway. <laughs> right. So it's not baggage. Um, it's purpose. Yeah. You know, and, and I've got some other stories about my, I mean, when I was, I'll, I'll just say, I don't, I wrote about it for the first time last year amidst this, the, the Me Too movement um, and, the, and the Brett Kavanaugh hearings when he was going for Supreme Court. I mean, when I was 22, I was, I was, I was sexually assaulted by another man. Mm. I was drugged. And it was a nasty experience. I didn't, for years, I didn't tell anybody about it. I felt like a victim. It was, I mean, and I'm like, no, as a man, I need to let other people know that this happened to me, that it doesn't happen just toward women or it doesn't happen, you know, like it was a traumatic experience and even my family didn't know until I wrote about it last year for the first time. Because I remember Mm -hmm. thinking to myself, if I, if I can give this purpose, if I can use this experience in my life for good then I can help somebody else. Yeah, there's no shame in that. And that, exactly. And so that's, that's always been my guiding principles. How can I use, how can I use my, my story or my experiences for good to help other people? Yeah. And I'll tell you, I guess what happened after I published that, um, and I published it through Campus Speak, which is a college bureau I'm with. I said, look, I want you all, because you, this is really intended for, for young men mm-hmm. um, who are 18, 19, 20, who, who may have experienced this. Hmm. I said, I want you all to, 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 to publish this article that I've written very carefully. Um, and and I, 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 once they did, I was just, it was an outpouring of hmm. emails from other young men that said, thank you. I've never known anybody. I didn't even know this could happen to other men. Wow. Because it was, and anyway, point is, other young men around the country were, were emailing saying, thank you. I've had a, I've had a same experience or a similar experience. Yeah. I'm like, that's what it's all about. It's just feeling like they're not alone, you know? Right. So Kevin, to your, you, you jumped right where I was going. You didn't know it. Uh, <laughs> you said a moment ago, you said, you know, I'm not a business guy. I'm a speaker. And the truth is you have a business. And what I want to want to ask you about is leadership. I mean, you don't have a big team. But I see, you know, you are a leader because people see you and they're exposed to you. And I want you to speak to your journey of authenticity Mm. as a leader and speaker. Yeah, good. Because what you just shared is incredibly vulnerable and authentic. Yeah. But I'm going to guess it's been a journey, not a a light switch you threw (laughs) 20 years ago. You know, uh, I think that's extremely important. Um, for for anyone to know, and whether it's speaking or just being a person that wants to connect with others, 
you know, whether you, whether you have a leadership role on, on, in your company or in, on, a, on, a, on a church team or in a community, people will connect with people who feel they are, that, that, they're, that person's genuine. Because mm, they'll know that there's not some hidden, hidden agenda or, or feel that way at least. Um, you know, when I, when I first, you know, I think I kind of hinted to this earlier, but even when I was, I had no desire, like, for example, when I started speaking for fun, it was just for fun, for to, something to do on the side. Like, even my own boss came to me one day, she's like, you know, you're traveling two times a month to go other campuses and present. Why? Like, it takes up your full day. I was like, well, some people like to play golf. <laughs> I mean, what I do in my time is my business, right? I mean, and I, I had a great relationship with that boss. So, you know, she's like, yeah, he's, yeah, you're right. I would like, imagine professional development, you're probably getting some information from other schools that you can apply to what you're doing. All sorts I, of benefits. Absolutely. And, and so that, that particular boss um, was, was an amazing boss for me, but she and I couldn't have been more opposite on the Myers-Briggs. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm an extrovert. People fuel me. Right. She's an introvert. People suck the living energy out of her, right? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so one day she's like, how do, you, how do you do it? I'm like, when I'm around other people, I'm like, yeah, baby. You know, like, <laughs> that's right. And rather, like her, after orientation, when all the students came back, she didn't take a week off, you know? Yeah. Um, I think we're but, looking at three raging extroverts here. So, <laughs> well, exactly. And it's like, oh, shiny object, squirrel, you know, like, right. <laughs> um, but, but I think, you know, for me, even going into higher ed as a career, I always felt like I needed to be the Greek advisor or the director of student activities or the dean who had it all together, who was like, I even had this analogy, uh, I wanted to be like a duck, you know, cool, calm, and collected on the water, but underneath, you know, <laughs> those feet are just going, going, going. And then I realized after, and it was through speaking, it was through speaking where I started just very, and I, I don't know when was the first day. Actually, I, I do remember. I'm sorry. I do remember it was at a conference November 16th uh, in 2016. So I'm surprised I didn't remember, but I clearly do. And at a conference, I had a young lady come up to me and just say, she waited kind of in line to chat with me after a breakout session. It wasn't any kind of special keynote. I was not a, um, I mean, I was, my speaking business was finally kind of taken off a little bit. And she just simply with a tear in her eye was the last person in line to talk with me strategically. She didn't want, she wanted to be the last person. And she just said, thank you. And I could tell there's a lot more going on. And I just said, no, you're, you're welcome. And, and we started talking for just a few moments. Anyway, she kind of ran out of the room and I said to myself, there's something going on. I kind of figured there was some tough mental stuff maybe. Um, but anyway, she writes me an email the next day and just says, you know, thank you for, for just inspiring me to, to have a dream. She goes, I've never felt, I never felt like I could have a dream. Like wow. I'm in college because mom and dad made me come and I'm just, I'm, turns out she also continued to write that she had been, um, had been, had been molested sexually, had battled uh, bulimia, which is an eating disorder and suffered from bipolar disorder and the whole, wow. other things. And my story of The Price is Right <laughs> somehow inspired her to create or feel like she deserved a better life. Wow. And I think that was when, that was the moment for me that said, okay, here I am in a new phase. 
where my speaking has nothing to do with me. Like, I didn't realize that. Right. I, I, you know, again, I'm just the messenger. And she had no clue. She had no clue that I had battled many of those same challenges. Because hmm. I didn't talk about those. So that's when I started then to drip. Wow. Content. Because look, you know, when somebody brings me in, if I'm doing a, like a morning, like an 8.30 a.m. conference keynote, mm-hmm. you know, for a company, like, or a, an associate or what, whoever, at 8.30 a.m. and there's a couple hundred people in front of me, the last thing I'm going to do is start my keynote with, hey, y'all, good to see you. When I was 12, I nearly killed myself. You know, like <laughs> when I, I suffered from this, no, I, it's like, how do I, every speech is different and why I'm being asked to speak is different. So I always try to, but I, I treat my, my speeches like a heartbeat. And so there is a place for where I can kind of share content. But I think at the end of the day, people doubt their beliefs and they believe their doubts and then they wonder why they're unhappy. My job <laughs> in a presentation is to, is to do the best I can in a short period of time to leave them with one or two main takeaways. Mm-hmm. And hopefully one of those is to, to envision new possibility and believe they deserve it. Wow. It's fascinating, Kevin, when you said that. I never realized for myself that I actually remember the date or at least the month and year when I really told the truth on a stage. Hmm. And when you said the date, I went, I wonder, oh yeah, it went September, 2009. It was September, 2009. And I had had a failed business previously and had done, gone through a lot of the dark times financially had filed bankruptcy. And, but for five years, I had told a story about that, that I learned. And this is a whole nother thing, but the story was true, but it wasn't the truth. Because what I left out of the story was my failures in it. Mm. And I remember doing it that day. And that was that moment of, you know, then more steps have come along the way over the years. But yeah, September 2009 is when I stood in front of a group of business owners and said, my business failed and it was my fault. Wow. And, And I would imagine that probably created a reaction or, uh, was a catalyst for a reaction where, did, did people come up to you like never before and say, <laughs> like, absolutely. And that's continued. Yeah. That's continued. And yeah. I think, yeah. and I love the fact that you are intentional about the authenticity mm-hmm. and putting it in that heartbeat. Because what I, as a speaker, what I believe when I see speakers, I struggle when I see a speaker and I don't get enough of what they've overcome. Hmm. The real genuine part, like a lot of people have overcome things that are obvious, but that it's not, it doesn't feel vulnerable. And I connect to speakers who are vulnerable and let me really, (laughs) with speakers who are vulnerable and I can walk away and say, oh, wow, they're not that different from me. Mm -hmm. But when I perceive that they're and had a different experience than me, I don't often connect to their ideas because, well, that doesn't work for me because you don't know my story. So I need a little bit of their story. And I think that's not just on stages. I really believe that that's an opportunity for leaders at all level to share their story to you. You know, we, Craig and I have been talking a lot with Cartavera, inviting people to humanize their business, to humanize their leadership. And I think, I believe that starts with me humanizing myself so that people on my team, can see me as not that different from them because then we can be in it together, really together. Yep. And I think that's a, a 
huge lesson that I've learned, you know, both through this process and um, it's just a matter of as, as we are leaders, we need to also show our human, human side. So Kevin, this has been fantastic. I knew it would be. I, I want to cover a couple of things real quick. Number one, uh, there's a lot of things you're involved in. You've alluded to a couple books, but is there anything in particular you want to promote or let everybody know about in terms of your work? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, nothing I want to promote, but if people have found value in, in our short conversation and they want to get a little bit more, I'd love for them to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, Kevin C. Snyder, just spell Snyder correctly, like the pretzel, or else you'll be connecting with the guy in Georgia who hates me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but also they can download a free copy of Think Differently. Actually, it's a free copy. Uh, they can go to my website, download a, it's an ebook, so don't get too excited. Um, but they can, <laughs> they can download a free copy of the book automatically off my website and connect with me on, on my newsletter. And what's the, new, the website, Kevin? Uh, KevinCSnyder.com. S-N-Y-D-E-R. Thank you. S-N-Y-D-E-R. And we'll uh, put all of that in the show notes as well. Yep. And so, Kevin, you know from our pre- podcast conversations, we always ask people a couple questions to close out. And one question for you is, I know you've got a lot to offer. You offer a lot from the stage, but what's that big one nugget of wisdom to offer our listeners? One thing. Someone ought to write a book called that. Oh, they did. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good book too. Yeah. In fact, that, that's actually where I, I was thinking of going. Well, I would say the one thing, gosh. I mean, I begin and end every presentation with the song, Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> and that actually was the framework of my dissertation research, which was based on self-efficacy, which is mm. the belief system that you have in achieving desired goals. So the one thing that I would leave people with is know you have a belief in something and know that you deserve it. Um, that's the, that's the foundation I think of where greatness begins. Hmm. Well, thank you for that one, Kevin. And the other one's one of my favorites because as Craig knows, I tend to see and experience the world through movies. And so what's that movie or character or even a scene for you that speaks to leadership? Jim Carrey in the movie, Yes Man. (laughs) If people took that approach and just said, yes, you know, they have to answer with yes, it would change the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And what people don't realize when they say no, what they're doing is they are, they are stifling new opportunity. No is an acronym for new opportunity. (laughs) And I, I truly believe that because when a door, so a door shuts, well, find a freaking window. I mean, everything begins with a dream and then people who bust through and, you know, and right now where we are, I think we've got so much opportunity around us. Oh my gosh. Yes. But it's where we focus. If we want to focus on what, why things are so challenging. My wife bought me this shirt and it's got 20, the year 2020 and it's got the Amazon five-star reviews and it was like one star. And it says underneath, do not recommend, you know, like, I'm like, honey, I'm not going to wear that shirt. I think 2020 is going to be the best year of my speaking. 
it's, it's already pushed me to do things I never would have done. Yes. I love that. And thank, that's a new one. I, that's a new one. We haven't heard that movie, and that, I love that. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. So, Kevin, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing what you do on stage, which is bringing your heart and your vulnerability and uh, just telling your story and inspiring others to do the same and listen to that sometimes still small but powerful voice. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.